Good morning, everyone. Oh, so good to hear your voices this morning. So good to see your faces. I just want to welcome you this Christmas season. It's only so many days, somewhere around 15, right? Something getting close, yeah? So it's coming up quick. Uh, But I really want to encourage you to um, work through those invites that we have available for you. Those little cards and invite your neighbors, your friends, your family to both of those events that Nick kind of announced today. Uh, It's just an opportunity for them to meet Jesus. If you're here today and know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, uh, you met him one day. There was a day when you met him. And I bet you if you even go back in your mind that you can, um, somebody probably invited you to come and see him. And that's really our mantra here at the Journey Church for the next couple weeks. We just, and all year round, we just really want people to come and see uh, what he's done for us and can do for them. Um, We're in um, week, uh, what is this, week uh, two of our series, uh, Come and See. Uh, We had a little few technical issues last week, and man, it just threw me so far off, so I apologize for that. Uh, Hopefully a little more on track today. Uh, But we're really, like I said, inviting people to come and see who Jesus is. Uh, Each week, we're going to be exploring together the events that are leading up to the birth of Jesus Christ. Our desire is that you can see God working in the people in the Bible events, but also that you see him working in your life as well. Um... Last week, we saw Gabriel, the angel, come to Zacharias and to Elizabeth. Um, They would herald or announce the birth of a son for those two. Uh, In that process, we saw fear come over um, Zacharias. And his was a paralyzing fear. Uh, Both, uh, you know, God gave him like a, a muteness or an inability to talk. Many believe that he even maybe have lost his hearing through that as well. Uh, but it's really interesting how God just kind of gives these subliminal messages. Uh, we learned last week that uh, sometimes that can happen to us as well, right? Uh, we, fear can come over us, and, and if it's not handled and processed properly, that it can make us mute as well, especially if we have doubts Uh, If we have doubts about the Lord or what he is capable of doing, it'll just make us clam up. So I pray that somehow that spoke to you last week. Um, God was also doing something pretty cool through the whole process. He was breaking his silence. Uh, If you know anything about how uh, the Old Testament and New Testament transition, there was like a 400-year silence that God didn't have a prophet or didn't give a word uh, to his people. And that's a long time. But what was really cool with that first announcement was that he was breaking his silence. And he was announcing that the Savior is coming. And he did that through John the Baptist, who we know now was John the Baptist. So this week, we're going to look at announcement number two. And that is coming uh, announcement. The same angel is going to come to Mary and give an announcement of the promised Messiah. So I am excited about this one. Uh, Not that I'm not excited about all of them, but uh, getting the announcement that Jesus is coming is exciting to me and exciting, I hope, for you as well. So let's pray, and then we'll crack open our Bibles and uh, just see where the Lord takes us today. Lord, thank you for doing exactly what you said you would do. 
and that you would bring salvation to a people that have wandered, and that's us. Uh, Lord, thank you for coming. We sang about it this morning. We're so excited that uh, you said exactly, or you did exactly what you said you would. Uh, Lord, help us this morning as we navigate through the scriptures, as we look through them and see how uh, we may respond to this announcement. Uh, Lord, um, you are so good to us. You're so good, so, so good to us. And Lord, just uh, want to thank you for each and every person that's here today. May all of our ears be open. May our hearts be wide open to what you have to say. May your words um, may come through me today through the scriptures in Jesus' name. Amen. So, fear. Fear. Fear has been part of our lives since Adam and Eve. Uh, Genesis 3 talks about how Adam and Eve sinned against a holy God and fear come upon them. As soon as they heard God's voice, they hid themselves. Fear wasn't a thing until sin come into the world. So fear is there. It's a real thing. And so as we navigate through the scriptures today, I'm hoping that um, you can see uh, how Mary, the mother if you want to say of Jesus, the one who carried the Savior in her womb, handled fear. I personally am, um, have a little bit of a, a, a fear. There's a lot of things I'll do. I've jumped out of airplanes and I've gone all the crazy roller coasters and all the different things. Uh, I'm not scared of too many things like that, but one thing I am scared of, and it hits me every time, is that when I walk up on a high building or heights or anything like that, uh, without something to hang on to. Like walking near an edge that is high, I get like, I don't know, it's like a fear that comes over. I don't feel safe. So I got a picture up here uh, just to kind of show you. Mark, uh, there we go. This is, this is not me. That is not me, but that is, we were there. My wife and I were there. This is a place in South Africa. It's called Orbi Gorge, and it's a massive gorge. It's kind of like, um, you know, going out west and going to the Grand Canyon. But they, for 25 cents, you can put 25 cents in a can and walk out on this rock. It's called Leopard Rock. That is not me. I couldn't do it. I've done all the crazy stuff, the bungee jump and all that kind of jazz. I couldn't do this. It, fear came over me. Uh, the next picture will kind of show you what it doesn't bother me to do is there was a bridge that went over that gorge. This has handles. So I was able to hang on to this and go across it with ease. It didn't, in fact, it didn't bother me. What was really strange about this bridge is that there were boards missing along the way. <laughs> true, true story. It's crazy. But fear can come over us. I had something to hang on to, right? Uh, next picture, if you would, please. Uh, this is my wife, Tamala. She made it across. She was very fearful. <laughs> very, very fearful, even with something to hang on to. Do you see the boards? You thought I was kidding you, right? There's boards missing. But 
she had something to hang on to, and um, she was still fearful. So we're all fearful of something, except when we got to the other side of this thing, this is right where Tamil is right, thinking she did the most incredible thing in the whole wide world. Show the next picture there, Ken. This is an 80-some-year-old lady that went over before us with, with ease. It didn't even phase her. So it's funny, the thing that I was so fearful about is different than what Tamla's was, and this lady wasn't even fearful at all when she went over the thing. But fear can grip us all, right? It can make us immobile. It can keep us from doing what God wants us to do. And so today, we're going to look at how Mary handled that kind of fear. Everyone's afraid of something. Snakes, spiders, diseases, financial setbacks, old age, gray hair, <clears throat> rejection, disappointment, being forgotten. In now our day, mass shootings, wars, extreme weather, etc., etc., etc. So many things to be fearful even the people in the Bible had their fears. Well, apparently, appearing angels is a thing. It's a fearful thing. Because what we see in the, just the Christmas story, four accounts of angels appearing to people. In each account, the angel starts out by saying, do not be afraid. It's interesting. So apparently, angels can make people Fearful. So let's pick up today in Luke 1. It's kind of where we left off last week, but in verse 26. I'm going to read it to you. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. So this morning, we're going to take a look at how Mary handled fear. And I'm hoping that we can learn from how she handled fear. Uh, there's a lot of legitimate stuff we should be afraid of, right? I mean, there's, I mean, you should be afraid of walking across the street and speeding cars, right? That's a legit thing. You should be afraid of that. But there are some things that we should not be afraid of. We should not be afraid of God working in us and through us. It's often a thing that we, we have, right? We get, uh, when we begin to see what God's doing and and we feel that, that presence, and we kind of get scared, and we get afraid. But Mary wonders, but does not doubt. This is different than what Zacharias was going through. Zacharias saw the angel. He was afraid, 
but his fear was entrenched in doubt. And so that's why he became mute, and that's why for nine months he was unable to speak. Not Mary. Hers was different. Hers was wonder. Uh, she, the angel said, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you in verse 28. Big difference if the Lord is with you, right? Man, oh man, I don't know how many times I've had to remind myself that what the Lord has asked me to do, I should not be afraid of. Why? Because he is with me. Mary is troubled at the angel's word, of course, and wonders what that might mean. Mary's wonder is not like Zacharias's. So question in... Um, in, in our minds, are we like Mary? Do we consider what the Lord is saying? Because that's what Mary does. Mary in her in mind and in her heart was considering what the angel said. So question for you and me is, how do we react when God speaks to us? Do we act in fear? Uh, how, does, how does that play out in our lives? Or do we actually just continue to ask God questions and consider what he actually is saying? Hebrews 1 says, In the last days God has spoken to us by his Son. Uh, we may not have um, an angel in our lives. That may not be how God speaks to us because angels are just messengers, right? That's what their job was in many cases. Um, John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and, God, and the Word was God. So it's a little different maybe for you and me. It doesn't mean that we uh, won't entertain an angel in our lifetime. But what we now do is we hear directly from the source. This Bible uh, that we call, or well, this book that we call the Bible is the Word of God, the very Word of God. That's our belief and that's our trust and that is our hope. So as we read it and as we navigate through it, what is our response? The question is, when we read it and we feel God moving, when we feel him speaking directly to us. Um, are we doubtful like Zacharias? Do we doubt or do we consider like Mary did what this might mean? What is he doing? What does he want to do through me? Um, this can be a fearful thing, right? Um, I mean, this is almighty God, the creator of the universe, speaks directly to you, and he, he does that with us through the Holy Spirit, through his word, but it gets a little scary when it's your turn. How do we respond is the challenge. We should not be afraid of God working in us like Mary. Why? Because like Mary, we have God's favor in his presence. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that you're highly favored? Do you believe that his presence is real? You should. Uh, Mary says, or the angel says to Mary, rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. And again in verse 30, uh, the angel says, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. The angel continues to encourage Mary, but saying that these prophecies um, would be carried out because she was allowing God to work in her life. 
It's interesting all the stuff that he just, in a few short sentences, the angel says, would be happening with Mary's life. He says, you will conceive and have a son and call his name Jesus. And if you're familiar with uh, Jesus' name, it was a very common name of the day. It really just is, means God is salvation or salvation is God. And so many Jewish people named their um, kids Jesus in this anticipation. But this was going to be the real Savior. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest. He will be called the Son of God. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. See, the Jews knew that the Messiah, the anointed one, the Savior of the world, was coming through David, the bloodline of David. So all these announcements, and Mary being highly favored, no doubt knew these things. And so God begins to say that you are the one, that all these things, I am going to work through you, and all these things are going to happen. Do you think she was fearful? I think there was a part of it that she had to be to some extent. But at the same time, she was wondering. Um, it also said that um, God was choosing Mary to carry Jesus in her womb through this whole process. Um, think about that just for a moment. The, there would be a human yet eternal Savior that she was going to carry. She would be carrying God in her womb. So how do you think you would have responded to all this? Right? But you got to remember, all these Bible characters that we read about and we sit down for devotions and, and study and do all these different things, they were just like you and me. They were just real people living a real life with all of its troubles, with all of its sorrow, with all of its joy. And then God steps in and says, I want to do this thing through you, Mary. I want to do this great thing through you. How would we respond? Well, Mary's wonder leads to more questions, not doubts, but it leads to more questions. Luke 34, 134. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man or had relations with a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that holy one who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren, was, past tense. For with God, nothing is impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary's question, questions the angel and wonders how this will come about since she did not know a man. She was a virgin. And uh, Mary knew, that, knew this in, in her head and physically in her heart. But how was this, how was this going to happen? I, I, I'm going to be pregnant. How is this going to happen? Not doubt. She's just asking. This is not her doubting. This is if God, it's not her doubting if God has the power to do this. Mary's wondering how God in his power is going to do this. Big difference, right? 
Not if God has the power to do this. This is how is God in his power going to do it? Big difference. Um, And her wonder is answered by the angel. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and God's power will come over you. And because this child is conceived of the Holy Spirit, in God's power, he will be the holy one, the the separated one, the pure one, dedicated to God's service and called God's only son. A second confirmation is given to Mary as well, right? Um, You know, God didn't have to give Mary any kind of confirmations at all. He could have just... I'm almighty God, I'm doing this thing, and we're getting it done. But it's really interesting how God wants to interact with you and me. As we do read through here, and we do feel God speaking to us, he will give us confirmations. He will let us know that he wants to use us. Not maybe as in a group setting or as a church setting, but individually, He wants to use us, and we have to be willing to hear that. And he will give you confirmations. Um, It's interesting that that second confirmation, uh, Elizabeth in her old age was uh, able to conceive. And so obviously uh, Mary had some knowledge of her relative not being able to conceive and her age and all these things. And it's pretty cool that God whispers through the angel to her that, Oh, and oh yeah, if you're doubting me or if you're having any kind of wonder whatsoever, you know your relative Elizabeth? Well, she's pregnant now too. Pretty good confirmation, don't you think, from our Lord. Uh, Mary is uh, convinced of God's ability and his power to do what he said he would do. So, Mary wonder, her wonder leads to her submission. Uh, we can learn a lot from Mary and her wonder um, as we begin to sense God working in our lives, right? We may have questions, and it's okay, but um, our wonder certainly can lead us there. But if it's going to do anything for us, us asking these questions is going to solidify more and more that we need to submit. The more answers God that gives, uh, gives to us, it should cement in our heart the idea that God wants to use us and wants to, to, to do something great in our lives. And so we do wonder, well, God, how are you going to do this? I, I don't know. But it's okay if you're asking questions like that because what it's going to eventually get you to is a place of submission that wasn't the same thing that Mary came to the conclusion. And she says this, Behold, the maid servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Whatever you say, Lord, I'm in this place. I'm your servant. Let's go. Let's go do this thing. We can learn a lot from Mary this morning. Although there's legitimate things that we should be afraid of, there are some things we should not be afraid of, and that is God working in us. Another thing we should not be afraid of is God changing our plans. How many of us Christians will go along with God's plan as long as it doesn't change any of our plans? Everybody's been down that road, right? never works out well, never really accomplishes anything. 
I'm sure Mary was like any other young girl in her, anticipating her wedding day, right? Come on, ladies, help me out here. There were decisions to be made on what to eat and who to invite. Uh, where will all the guests sit? And where will, what will the centerpieces look like? <laughs> Should we go on a cruise or do we put the money into the house? All these important decisions we make at weddings, right? She was just like any other young girl. Joseph was probably the same, excited about being married. You know, the betrothal system in the Jewish culture was they were betrothed or spoken for, and then a, a year would have to pass by, and then they'd finally consummate the marriage. It's interesting that when the angel appeared with this message that God was going to do something great, this certainly was not Mary's plan. There's no way Mary could have known that this was going to happen in her life. She was betrothed to her husband Joseph, making the plans, anticipating these things, and then an angel shows up one day and tells her some great things that God is going to do. What should she do? Luke 1.39. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias, Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. It's interesting to me that hearing that the, when the angel told Mary that the same thing was going on in Elizabeth's life, she shoots right to Elizabeth's house. Um, I'm going to speculate a little bit because this has been real in my life as well. Why did she go to her house and why did she, it says in haste, she did it right away. When God's working in our lives, isn't it great comfort when you sit down and talk with somebody that God is doing something great in their lives or has done something great in their lives? So it's really awesome. Mary goes to Elizabeth's house, and I'm sure they had their conversations and all the things that went on, but how comforting it must have been for both of them what God was doing in their lives. Um, I don't know how many times that I have sat in coffee shops and met people for lunch and things of like that nature and sat down, and it isn't soon after that that person or persons has got something they just really want to talk about. God's doing this great thing in their life or, you know, they're just challenged by what they read or something in the Bible and find out that as the conversation goes deeper and deeper and deeper that their experience is almost exactly as my experience. How, in, in essence, not the, right, the details, but how the Lord spoke to them, how the Lord is asking them to get involved, the questions that they got, all the same things really come out. And that is confirmation. That is confirmation that the Lord is speaking to you. If you were the only person on the planet that God was speaking to, that would kind of make you a little nervous, Right? But when you find out, like Mary did with Elizabeth, when you begin to chat with other people that have had encounters with God and through, through his word and with him directly through his Holy Spirit, it is comforting to know that God is working through others and then we should say yes to him as well. Um, it doesn't mean that people don't wonder 
how God's going to do it. I mean, because I've had those. You know, I hear God speaking to me through his word, and I go, oh, I don't know, Lord, how you're going to pull this one off. It doesn't mean that, you know, that he made a mistake when he chose me. It doesn't mean that I read this Bible verse and tell somebody else to go do it. It's the living God speaking through his living word to us. No different, in a sense, than the angel appearing before Mary. But all these stories seem to have in common. I bet you, you know this because if you have sat down with people and, and had these types of conversations, that they were not afraid of God working in their life. They just had wondered. They weren't afraid. And also, they were not afraid of God changing their plans. Anybody that has committed to the Lord when they hear him speak will have these two qualities about them. They are not afraid of God working. In, in fact, invite it. And they are not afraid of God changing their plans. The lives of obedient ser servants are rarely a life uh, that they could have imagined. Think about that for a minute. If you've listened to the voice of God and you said yes to something that he has wanted to do in your life, there's never something that you could have imagined. You couldn't have come up with how awesome it is. But God is willing and wanting to do that in each of our lives. But is it with anyone who has submitted to God's plan in their life, Mary and Elizabeth could not be afraid of what is next. That's the other challenge in this whole thing for you and for me, is that once we, we know that it's God working and we're not afraid, and we're not afraid of him changing our plans, but what we can get afraid of, of what is next. What is next, Lord? Uh, Luke one fifty six says, And Mary remained uh, about, uh, with her about three months and then returned home. That is the hardest verse for me to, to get my head around um, reading this week in this whole account of Mary and being pregnant, being a virgin. So Mary had to return home. It's one thing being in the encouragement of Elizabeth, being around her because she got it, she understood. Her, her babe leaped in her womb, so there was a confirmation, God's doing something awesome but then she had to go home. She goes home three months pregnant, yet a virgin. She goes home three months pregnant, pregnant to an espoused husband who probably didn't even know why she even left. How would Joseph react? What would her family think? Would she be even received in the synagogue any longer? The Bible records Mary's response to God working in her life. Luke 1.46 says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. We sang about that this morning. Magnifying. This is not the kind of magnification that we think about, like looking through a, a, a glass, a magnifying glass, where it makes objects appear bigger than they really are. That's not what she's doing. Because then that she would be like, almost like bragging about God, but he's really not that big. That is not it at all. Mary's soul is declaring the greatness of her God. 
So angel visits, says God's going to do something great. Mary um, submits to Almighty God, says, I am your maid servant. Do what you want with me, Lord. You just speak it and I'll do it. And then Mary goes into this pretty awesome rant here. We're going to go through that in a minute. And it's really the basis of what the song we sang today. But Mary's response is of someone that is not afraid of God working in her life. Is not afraid of God changing her plans. And is not afraid of what's next. There is no way that Mary could have been afraid of what is coming with all the facts that are in place, right? Knowing that she's pregnant, knowing back she's going, has to face her soon-to-be husband, her family, her, her synagogue members, the other Jewish families, her community. She might not have known all the things that were going to go on, but she could not be afraid, and the same lesson has to be for you and me. We cannot be afraid of what's next, even though we don't know everything. Luke 1.47 says it, talking about Mary, or Mary saying, my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. Mary's spirit, who she is, not as much as her emotions, but who she is inside. Her spirit needed a Savior, just like you and me. And this is, God was bringing the Savior that she had awaited and wanted for her entire life but yet she wasn't afraid uh, to, to move forward. She magnifies the Lord and tells the, tells the world, uh, and even you and me today, how good and great God is. Why did her soul so rejoice? Luke 1, 48 and 49 says, For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant, for behold... Henceforth, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty, keyword, has done great things for me. And holy is his name. Mary had a proper perspective of who she was. She calls her maid servant, calls herself a slave to God. This kind of flies in the face a little bit of um, some who have elevated Mary uh, and put her on the same plane as our Lord. This is not true. Mary herself even says that she is God's made servant and understood that God was doing something great through her. She understood that she knew that. She acknowledges what God has done. He has done great things and even calls God the mighty one. And when you kind of do a little word study on that word mighty, it's basically talking about this is the God who is able. Everything he just said, he's able to do. He, he can make me pregnant. He can make the, his own son come through me through the Holy Spirit. He can do all these great things. He's going to make him ruler over all the nations. On and on and on. This is a God who is mighty and has done great things. I hope you remember that as you're navigating through the scriptures and you hear God speaking to you and you're trying to figure out what he's trying to do through you. Look backwards. Look at the things that he has done, either in your life or in the life of other people. Look backwards and say, man, he is able to do that. He has done great things. It gives you great courage and trust in the Lord that he is mighty and able to do things moving forward. God is making his name separate. He is holy. 
Um, that's really what the word holy means. God is holy. He is separate from us. And that's what he is doing through, his, through Mary, bringing his holy son into the world. Luke 10, starting in verse 50, says, And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. Uh, Mary magnifies God's mercy. His mercy, his compassion, his pity on us is for those who fear him. For all generations, for all people who reverence the Lord. God has, I love that part, past tense, he says, has scattered the proud, those who in their minds have no need for God. That's what happens when the, we get prideful. We don't think we need the Lord. And uh, Mary says that he has mercy on those who revere him and reverence him, but he will scatter those uh, who are proud. Notice he doesn't say yet. He doesn't destroy them. He scatters them. Uh, the hope here, I believe, from the Lord is that one day they will realize, like Mary did, that um, they needed to humble themselves. And that's God's goal always, right? Um, we know that he exalts the lowly. Uh, it kind of reminded me of 1 Peter 5, 5, when it said God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So God resists the those that exalt themselves and say that they need no God. He actually just resists that. But for the hope is to give them grace. Uh, and one day, they too will be humble. Luke 1, 53 uh, through 55 says, He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to the seed forever. Mary, filled with the Holy Spirit, proclaims God's willingness to fill the hungry with good things. I love that about it. If you're willing, God it will fill you with good things. However, if you consider yourself no need for God, that's what the word rich here is really talking about. It's not really riches. If you consider yourself already rich, it says he will send you away empty. Mary sees God fulfilling this per, uh, promise made to Abraham, Abraham all those years ago. This is what Abraham, if you remember, God started his special people and promised Abraham that one day there would be a seed. Uh, and Paul kind of alludes to this fact. I don't know if you catch, caught it or not, but it isn't seeds when he talks to Abraham. It is seed he talks to. Uh, Galatians 3.16, this is Paul now speaking, says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. So all these years ago, Abraham had been promised that there would be a Messiah, a Savior, uh, a chosen one would come. This is the day that he is bringing Jesus into the world. Because Mary was not afraid of God working in her life, she was not afraid of changing her plans. And Mary was not afraid of what is next. What was next for Mary? What would Mary return to? Shame, disgrace, 
Mary probably didn't even know, but Mary would return home in faith. Faith that trusted in what God was doing no matter what happens next. So as we wrap it up here today, I want to challenge you with a couple of things, but we read about the angel making known to Mary that she would carry in her womb God's only son. But there was a lot of other things that Mary did not know. So many things, and this is where she walked in faith. There's a song I've liked for years now, uh, Matt Lowry um, kind of penned these things. I'm just going to, usually don't do songs. That's Jennifer's job up here, but I'm going to do this one today, not sing it. You don't have to run. But I am going to recite these words because it's, they are very insightful of what Mary did not know. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered would soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will calm the storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? When you kiss your, late, your ba little baby, you kiss the face of God. Mary, did you know? The blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will rise again, the lame will leap, the dumb will speak the praises of the Lamb. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? That sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. Mary, did you know? There was a lot that Mary did not know. But Mary has taught us that we're not to be afraid of God working in us. That we're not to be afraid of God changing our plans. And that we're not to be afraid of what comes next, even though we don't know everything. So many lessons today that we can learn from Mary. But as we take time to reflect, every single week we do this, just allow the Lord to continue speaking to us and hear from him. Maybe we can even speak back to him in prayer. But our first question must be, do we know him? Do we know God's son? Not know of him. Do we know him? Do we know he is our savior? Do we know him that way? Have we humbled ourselves before the great I am? Have we come to him in repentance? Have we asked him to forgive us of our sin? Is he our Lord? I know it's a lot to take in, angels coming to earth and virgins being impregnated by the Holy Spirit, and a baby that's considered to be God's only son. I know it's a lot, but it's true. It's true. 
May I encourage you, if you're here today and you do not know the Lord as Savior, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to receive him as Christ, your Lord. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, says, Whoever calls on the, the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from our sin. Oh my goodness. What an awesome promise if we call on his name. So as we take time today, if you would like someone to pray with, if you've never trusted Jesus as Savior and you're not even sure how that takes place, um, I can help you. I got some elders here today that would pray for you, pray with you. We just want to point you to him. So let's take a few minutes, if you would, to think about what Mary taught us this morning, what God is saying to us in the scriptures, and then I'll come back and we'll close for the day. Father, we're so grateful that you have come. People say that they can't know you or that you're impersonal, that you never really want anything to do with us. So not true. You came. You came uh, through a willing mother named Mary. She showed us a lot this morning that you even want to work in us just like you did, Mary. You want to do great things. Lord, we can't be afraid of that. We can't be afraid of you changing our, our direction in life or our plans. And we can't be afraid of what's, what's next. What we can do is rejoice like Mary did and just know that you're going to do the impossible if we allow you to use us. Thank you for that encouragement, Lord, this morning. Thank you for what you mean to us. We just want to praise you today like Mary did. We want to magnify you in Jesus' name. Amen. So as you leave today, those couple options Nick that talked to you about, uh, this are really good things to do. A um, couple of reminder cards, little tools for you to use to invite friends, neighbors, uh, you know, invite them. All of the website stuff, all of the tech that's out there today, 97% of the people that come to church say it's because someone invited me. Will you be part of what God wants to do with you through a simple invite? So take a couple of these. They'll have them at the door for you today. Invite your friends, co-workers. Don't be afraid. It, 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 sometimes it takes a little courage 
But if you believe God wants you to do that, hand that to that person, and who knows what God will do through you. Uh, somebody did it, and that's probably why you're here. So let's keep on keeping on. Um, thank you for being here at the Journey Church. God bless you. We'll see you next week, hopefully.